0: From the Heidelberg Catechism, we read together, Lord's Day 20. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me, and to remain with me forever. With Lord's Day, t- beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, with Lord's Day 20, we come to the third part of the Apostles' Creed. We've dealt with the work of the Father and our creation, and the work of the Son and our redemption. And now we come to the work of the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Here we come to a slightly more difficult part of our confession. We know God the Father. It's not hard to understand how He is the creator of this world, the preserver of our lives. We know God the Son. Our Lord Jesus Christ and the great work of salvation that He has accomplished for us through His suffering and His death on the cross. But who is the Holy Spirit? And what role does He play in our lives? The title above Lord's Day 20 is The Holy Spirit and Our Sanctification. That's a big word. To sanctify means to make holy or to make pure refers to the process by which the old nature is put to death and the new nature is made alive. It's the process by which we are renewed more and more in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as an ugly caterpillar is transformed into a beautiful butterfly, so the Holy Spirit transforms us from dead sinners into living saints. It's by his mighty work in our hearts and lives that the Spirit makes us share in Christ and his benefits. He is the source of our life. He sustains our life with God. And he will allow us to share in the blessings of God eternally. Teaching about the Holy Spirit is not something that should confuse us. While it's true that we do not understand everything about how the Spirit does his work. God has revealed enough to us in his word that we may be strengthened and encouraged by the doctrine about the Holy Spirit. Although he is eternal God, he has come to live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. He draws us into communion with Christ. He is our helper as we walk through various trials and difficulties in this life. He guides us on the pathway of eternal life. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. We'll see that the Holy Spirit gives us life, sustains our lives, and perfects our lives. We read together this afternoon from one of the most famous passages of Ezekiel's prophecy, In it, Ezekiel relates a vision the Lord gave him. He speaks of a valley of dry bones. In his vision, the Lord commands Ezekiel to prophesy to this valley of bones so that life could be restored to those who had died long before. Ezekiel 37 is a vision that speaks of renewal and life. There's one Hebrew word that's used 10 times in the first 14 verses. It's a word that's variously translated as breath, or wind, or spirit. In this passage, there is a play on words. The Hebrew word is used primarily to refer to the breath of life. And yet it is God's Spirit who breathes life into the dead. By using one and the same word throughout the passage, the Lord shows that it is His Spirit alone who can give Renewal and life. Verse 1 speaks about how the Spirit transports Ezekiel and sits, sets him down in a valley of dry bones. There were very many bones in this open valley. Ezekiel saw lots and lots of skeletons. For whatever reason, they were not buried. The sheer number of bones seems to indicate some kind of mass carnage or catastrophe. Perhaps this valley was a place where Israel's enemies slaughtered many of God's people in battle. Many of the bones were mixed together because the birds of prey and the wild animals would have feasted on the dead bodies. The dry condition of the bones let Ezekiel know that these people had been dead a very long time. A valley full of sun-bleached bones all mixed together. Verse 2 tells us that the Lord gave Ezekiel a, a, a thorough tour of this terrible place. Although he walked back and forth through and among the bones, Ezekiel saw no life. To understand this vision, we need to know something about the circumstances of God's people Israel. The Valley of Dry Bones portrays the state of God's covenant people after the fall of Jerusalem. The Lord says in Ezekiel 37, verse 11, These bones are the whole house of Israel. Many were physically dead at the hands of both the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Many more living in exile were as good as dead. The exiles said, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. God's people had been in exile for over ten years. These bones signify that what hope they once possessed is now gone. God's people figured that their existence as a nation has come to an end. Their final stronghold, Jerusalem, had been captured. The Babylonians had utterly destroyed it, knocking down its walls, burning it, raising it to the ground. Like many of the other nations around them, Israel had been taken into exile. They lived in a foreign land among strange people. There was not much use thinking about the past. There was nothing they could do. As a nation, they were finished. The Jews would have considered their situation like what we are faced with when a loved one dies. We experience intense grief, a longing for how things were in the past, along with a gradual understanding that death is irrevocable. No matter how much we might desire to see a loved one alive again, no amount of wishing will make it happen. Well, in the same way, the Jews felt completely dried out, without hope, cut off. To them, the possibility of renewal and restoration were as foreign as having the dried bones of the slain come back to life. Then the Lord asked Ezekiel a key question. Son of man, can these bones live? Well, from a human perspective, the answer is clearly no. There is no way that a valley full of dried out bones could live. But that was not the answer that Ezekiel gives to the Lord. He says, O Lord God, you know. Ezekiel recognizes the Lord as the ruler, as the king of creation. He knows that with God all things are possible. So in faith, Ezekiel gives the matter back into the hands of God. The Lord's response is to tell Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, this, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Ezekiel needs to stand up, clear his throat, and preach a sermon to these skeletons. Just imagine me going to the cemetery tomorrow, Standing on a bench and then preaching to the headstone stretched out in front of me. Nobody's listening. There's no one to hear. The dead are no more. And yet Ezekiel prophesies as the Lord commanded him to do. In Ezekiel's vision, wonderful things happen. As he prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. The word our text uses for the rattling of the bones is commonly used to describe the quaking of the earth during an earthquake. After hearing this clattering sound of bones coming together, Ezekiel sees sinews and flesh come upon the bones and skin cover over them. The valley of dried bones is transformed into a valley of people. But there was no breath in them. Ezekiel is commanded by the Lord to prophesy to the breath, to say, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. He did, and breath came into them, and they lived and came to their feet. An exceedingly great army. In his vision, Ezekiel sees how the Lord gives life to his dead people. Just as the Spirit breathed the breath of life into Adam at creation... So he grants resurrection and life to a valley full of dry bones. In Ezekiel's day, this vision was meant to give hope to a people in despair. The exile said, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost. We're indeed cut off. On behalf of the Lord, Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel... I will put my spirit within you, and you will live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So the Lord promised life and restoration to his exiled people. Yeah, beloved Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37 has much more to say to us. Consider the basic message of this vision, that the Spirit of God brings life to dead bones. That has great implications for us today. By nature, we are dead. We are conceived and born in sin, subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation. Spiritually, we are like that valley of dried-out bones. We're incapable of doing any good. We're inclined by nature to hate God and our neighbor. How are we made alive? Often we think it is through our faith. Salvation is by faith alone, isn't it? Yes, it is. But the question is, where does this faith Come from. Many Christians today emphasize the need for us to choose for Christ. Yeah, beloved, we are no more able to do this than one of these dried-out bones in Ezekiel's vision is able to become part of a living body again. The unregenerate person is dead. He has no more power to effect a change of heart than a skeleton does. The natural man is dead in sin, unable to respond to the gospel or to exercise his faith. So then how are we made alive? Only by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus explains how as sinful people, we need to be born of the spirit of God. He's speaking about what our confession call, calls regeneration. Regeneration is the act of God alone, by which he renews the human heart, making it alive when it was formerly dead. This work of the Holy Spirit does not depend on us in any way. There is no preparation that we can make for Him to work in us. There is no contribution we can make from our side to the new life that God gives us. As it says in Dort, chapter 3, 4, article 12, regeneration is something which God works in us without us. Just as the Spirit of God breathed life into those dead bodies in Ezekiel's vision, so it's only the Holy Spirit who can bring us back to life again. Beloved, this doctrine is clearly taught in the Bible. In John 6.44, the Lord Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. In John 15, verse 5, he teaches, apart from me you can do nothing. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, that we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. He says in Philippians 2 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is true that we do not fully understand how the Spirit brings life to those who are spiritually dead. As Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit's work of regeneration, of causing us to be born again, is a supernatural a most powerful, and at the same time, a most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. That's also from Article 12 of Chapter 3-4 of the Canons of Dort. What we know is that it is through the Spirit, the Spirit alone, that we are made alive. He enlightens our minds, so we can understand the gospel. He creates with us within us a new heart. He transforms our spirit. He makes that which was dead alive, which was bad good, which was unwilling willing, which was stubborn obedient. It's through his work alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits. In our first point, we've seen that the Holy Spirit gives us life. In our second point, we'll see that the Spirit sustains our lives. The Holy Spirit is not just some kind of external force that exerts pressure on us till we change. The Spirit is a very personal being who's come to live in our hearts. Before Jesus left his disciples, he promised them, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. This promise was fulfilled at Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out on the church. The result of Pentecost is that God's Spirit has come to make his home in us. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 makes it clear that as Church of Jesus Christ, we are God's temple, that God's Spirit lives in us. Ephesians 2:21 speaks about the people of God growing into a holy temple in the Lord. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 speaks about how we're being built into a spiritual house. What is true of the church is also true of the individual members of the church. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 16, Paul speaks about how our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, Galatians 4 verse 6 speaks of how God has sent the Spirit to, Of his Son into our hearts. That's why we confess in Lord's Day 20 that the Holy Spirit is also given to me. We become the house of God. It's through the living presence of the Spirit of God in us that we are strengthened and nourished in our faith. The Spirit grants us all we need to live in communion with Christ. He writes God's commandments on our hearts. He helps us to fight against sin and the devil. He renews our hearts and our minds that more and more we walk in obedience to the will of God. He restores us in Christ's image that we may produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is our guide who leads us on the pathway of life. The Holy Spirit also comforts us. He gives us the assurance that we're sons and daughters of God. On this earth, we have to go through trials and tribulations. There are times when we experience great suffering in our lives. But the Spirit gives us hope by pointing to the fact that We are heirs of eternal life. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us. You see, beloved, the Spirit's purpose in dwelling in us is to guide us to Christ and to sustain us through Him. In speaking about how the Holy Spirit guides us to Christ and our life with Christ, we need to emphasize one thing. It is that the Holy Spirit works through the word. He uses the preaching of the gospel to draw us to faith. Peter says in 1 Peter 1 verse 23, You have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. People sometimes ask or I ever get frustrated when People's lives don't change despite all the preaching that they hear. One commentary I read on Ezekiel 37 made the point that just as Ezekiel was called to prophesy to a valley of dry bones, so preachers too are at times called to preach to people who may not yet be spiritually alive or who may have hardened their hearts against a certain teaching. Yeah, beloved, it's ever so important that we note the effect of Ezekiel's proclamation in his vision. God used his words to bring life to those dry bones. The same applies today. The Spirit gives life to the dead. He works through the Word. It is an amazing process. It's one we don't fully understand the Lord speaks about it in Ezekiel, in Isaiah 55, the verses 10 and 11. He says that just as rain waters the earth and provides seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. John 5, 25, the Lord Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. The Spirit gives understanding to those who hear the preaching Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 11 and 12, that no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul speaks about how he planted and how Apollos watered but how it was God who gave the growth. If we want to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, we need to submit ourselves to the teaching of God's holy word. For it's through the promises of the gospel that the Spirit sustains our lives. The Spirit sustains us by constantly pointing us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He suffered and died on a cross to grant forgiveness for all our sins. He rose from the dead to grant us new life in Him. Christ is the source of all comfort and hope. Our comfort, knows from, our comfort comes from knowing that we belong with body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior. Our strength is derived from the fact that He upholds us with his right hand. He sustains us as we travel on the road to glory. Our peace, our joy, our hope. They're all centered on Jesus Christ. And the Holy, and the Holy Spirit sustains us by constantly putting the spotlight on him. On his wondrous deeds. It brings us to our final point. know, we'll see that the Holy Spirit Perfects our lives. It's wonderful to know how the Holy Spirit gives life and sustains our lives. Yet that would all be in vain if the Spirit were to depart from us. For without the Spirit we could not stand. If it were not for the Spirit's continued work in our hearts and lives, we would fall from grace. Again, in John 14:16, Christ has promised. That the Spirit will abide with us forever. Part of believing in the Holy Spirit is knowing He will remain with me forever. In our lives, we can face all kinds of trials and disappointments. There are times when we too can lose hope. Satan will do whatever he can to take our eyes away from our Savior, Jesus Christ because of struggles we face in life, because of sins that we've fallen into, we can begin to doubt our very salvation. But, beloved, we don't need to lose heart. For if God has begun his good work in us, he will bring it to completion. David speaks about this in Psalm 138. He says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble... You preserve my life, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God cares about us deeply, beloved. He doesn't abandon his work before it's finished. If he has begun his work of salvation in us, he will complete it. This is not to say that we can never face struggles in our faith or in our walk with God. At times, God's children may fall into serious and grievous sins. Think of David, who committed adultery with Bathsheba and even murdered her husband, Uriah, to try cover up his sin. Or think of Peter, who despite being told beforehand, denied his Savior three times. God's children can be tempted. They may fall into sin. We need to ever be on guard, for Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. At times it can seem to us as if God's children have fallen from grace. The beloved, the Bible makes it clear that God will never forsake his own. Those whom God has led to a true faith in Jesus Christ cannot be lost forever. Christ's preserving care over us is clearly taught in the Bible. In John 6, verse 39, Jesus said, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. What Jesus promises here is that he will hold fast those in whom the Spirit has worked repentance and faith. In John 10, 27-29, Jesus confirms this. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8 that God will sustain you to the end so that you will be guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we see that by the mighty working of His Spirit, God preserves us unto eternal life. So, beloved, we see the riches of our confession of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Spirit in regeneration is so marvelous that the Bible teaches it is not inferior in power to creation or to the raising of the dead. Truly, the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. It's by His mighty work that he makes us alive, that he sustains our lives and perfects our lives. The Spirit connects us to Christ, he comforts us with Christ, he keeps us in Christ. Let us praise the Spirit for his wondrous work in our hearts and lives. Amen. Let's respond by singing together. Hymn 48, stanzas 2, 3, and 4.